do you feel like you're just not doing enough? Like you're a bystander in a world that needs participants? Do you look at the achievements of your musical idols, your activist heroes and your more successful friends and just feel crippled by inertia? Do you feel trapped in a life that just won't make a difference? Why not buy stuff? Hooray! Here at Capitalism, we believe that buying stuff is the solution, whatever the problem. I'm happy. Buy, buy stuff. stuff! I'm sad. Buy, buy stuff. stuff! My life lacks meaning. Buy, buy stuff! I have an irrational fear that my bum's going to fall off and shatter all over the pavement. Buy, buy stuff! stuff! Yes, give yourself the dopamine hit you deserve and kid yourself you're in control of your life. Buy stuff! Buying stuff has been linked to long-term unhappiness. Buying stuff can make you poor. Buying stuff can lead to an ecosystem unsuitable for human life. Buying stuff can make your bum fall off and shatter on the pavement. The No Sweat Podcast with Andrew O'Neill. Welcome to the No Sweat Podcast, the official podcast of the grassroots organisation that fights sweatshop labour and builds worker solidarity worldwide. And lest any hint of worthiness put you off listening, fear not, because I'm your host, Andrew O'Neill, non-binary stand-up comedian and dickhead. And joining me are No Sweat activist and punk rock legend Navpreet Singh and campaigner, blogger and wearer of many, many different activist hats, Maisha Begum. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Your intros always hype me up, so I'm like, yeah, this is talk. Good. Yeah, let's, let's let's. Do you know what we're going to do today? We're just going to we're going to solve the problem worldwide with sweatshop labour. Just oh, using really? just using some microphones we bought off the dark web. Um, so so today we're talking about the situation in Myanmar, uh, also known for Monty Python's as. Burma! Why did you say Burma? I panicked. Um, and I, I apologise uh, during the show. My Pavlovian Monty Python reaction is going to be set off by this. Now, uh, Myanmar's been in the news ever since, well, I mean, actually, ever since I can remember. And so my sort of ambient news reading understanding is that there was a military dictatorship that kept Aung San Suu Kyi under house arrest. I remember going to lots of Amnesty International events calling for her release. Then she was elected and then she was heavily criticised for various human rights issues. And then last year there was a military coup which has left thousands dead ethnic cleansing economic chaos and you know just uh, pretty much the worst situation you can imagine so my first question is is any of that true or have i got everything wrong you're pretty accurate it's a great sum up of what i was gonna say like okay because it was yeah pretty much Myanmar's history is very much kind of well recent history and has just been Predominantly military dictatorship. Um, mm-hmm. There's been lots of regimes since like the 1960s. It's just been like one military regime after the next, and eventually there was the move towards like democracy. I say with the speech marks for what they're called. Um, yeah. And so Myanmar is a very ethnically diverse country. It's got about from uh, Wikipedia. I think it was like 130 over 130 different ethnic minority ethnic groups that are like yeah, right. recognized. 
So it's a very ethnically diverse country. Um, and there's also been like a lot of persecution against ethnic groups. I think the most common, like one, one that's most known is the Rohingya, the yeah. um, Muslim ethnic group there. And the extent of the violence and it's been, it's been officially called a genocide by a lot of lawyers and human rights organizations. Um, the, just the barbaric sort of ongoing targeting of them, um, mm. to this day. And many have had to flee to Bangladesh. So that's pretty much the recent history. And, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of contention about Aung Suu Kyi because of that in terms of this. She's quite well loved because she's seen as like a, beacon of democracy but at the same time she's she hasn't acknowledged or she denies what's have been happening she's in fact defending what's happening with the rohingya that's crazy so um, a question here is uh myanmar burma i've heard activists use both Mm. words is there in is there a case that one's the real name and one's the one that british colonialists call it or is it are they interchangeable yeah so burma did come from the british um but then in fact Near, I think it was the 90s, I believe, um, people, people of Myanmar chose to say Burma as a, as like resistance against the military who were trying to bring back the name Myanmar. Right. So, okay. yeah, so it's, but at this point, it's very interchangeable, to be honest. People say Burma, people say Myanmar. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, another question, you may or may not know the answer to this, and what we might well do is look it up, uh, later. And then put it in, put it in in a really clunky edit, which yeah. is so. There's, there's 130, you know, loosely 130-ish ethnic groups mm. that, that in in this country were the national borders imposed by the British, because I'm, I'm like I know an awful lot of the violence in um, in. Uh, it, Africa uh, is based on, I mean, let's say a lot of the violence in Africa, a lot of the violence throughout the world is based on these arbitrary borders. So, say, for example, the Kurdish population in the south of Turkey and the north of Iraq, um, you know, that that border was placed there entirely arbitrarily. Is that true of, of, of Burma, Myanmar? You know, people have sort of arbitrarily been lumped into one country and under one state rule that isn't interested in them. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's just okay. the fact that Burma was quite a hub for tra- for um, trade. Right, okay. So I think that's, I mean, I can't confirm, but I think that's why um, there's the of ethnic minorities there. It wasn't a matter of kind of dividing. So this being the No Sweat podcast, our focus is on workers' solidarity. So is there a history of workers' organisation in Burma, Myanmar? Um, so due to the military, it's, it was very minimal um, over the past few decades. Um, they were trade unions were basically outlawed under the di- right. dictatorship, um, and then the country was quite cut off from the outside. So it was very hard to organise that way. What did happen was um, trade union, like a lot of people, like millions, were leaving Myanmar to go to Thailand, and that led to like trade unions emerging in Thailand. Which okay. was where kind of the some of the union movements start for Myanmar started, and then in 2012, um, that was when like the trade unions were allowed to come back and like the union activity was permitted. So mm. that started developing again. Um, the one thing I will say is that while it there were more rights for trade unions, it did it doesn't guarantee like Myanmar's working conditions were not amazing at afterwards after um. The return of Aung Suu Kyi, not the return, 
after um that's the lord of the rings book isn't it yeah Yeah, sorry after those elections yeah um after um was elected and um in fact because their economy started opening up once um she won that led to a lot of brands then going to myanmar because Mm. this was a place with basically minimal workers protections wages were extremely yeah. low and this was yeah. became like a new hub which is why on your a lot of your clothes you'll see made in myanmar um yeah, yeah. and so brands kind of took advantage of that i mean there ha- there is a great resist there is a great trade union movement there i think in the pandemic you um you might have seen a lot of the organizing that happened in myanmar where factories started using the pandemic as an excuse to violate workers' rights, particularly trade union rights, trying to dismiss like mass in mass dismissals, get rid of all the unionists, and like led to huge uprisings, um, uh-huh. and eventually and led to like a lot of international solidarity, which resulted in people in the West contacting the brands that were sourcing from these factories, and so mm-hmm. there's a great movement there. So the trade unions are very like very active in the garment industry. Yeah. And from what you're saying, it sounds like it's easy to maybe paint this, let's say, you know, like ethically wash this as like, it would be good to have a return to the good old days before this military coup. But that, there is no good old days. <laughs> that, mm. that was a, it was a struggle. As with the best anywhere, case, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. The best case scenario within Myanmar that we've known in our lifetimes has still been something with huge room for improvement and huge, you know, mm. still huge abuses of, of, of human rights, uh, and, and of, and of workers' rights. Um, so we have a situation where things weren't great. And before this military coup, and this military coup has come in and, and outlawed essentially trade unions, outlawed, um, freedom of association. So how does No Sweat, our organization, um, Nav, how does No Sweat come into this? Um, so No Sweat first started working, uh, on these issues in Myanmar in 2009, uh, where they contacted, well, we contacted Matt, the migrant assistance program. Um, and it's a Burmese non, government organization that in thailand that has done a lot of work around workers rights among the burmese community Mm -hmm. uh, in thailand so we've done some fundraising events for them circulated the materials um and jay the the main man uh, he went out to work with them in 2011 and sent Mm -hmm. over information about what was happening Um, We've also been in contact with the Burmese punk community. So we've got uh, Punk Ethics, um, which is our sister campaign. And we organise a tour for, um, a UK tour for Rebel Riot, which is uh, a Burmese punk group. And Mm -hmm. they've got this whole, uh, like, Food Not Bombs campaign. So they're a Burmese activist punk band, and they they run the Food Not Bombs campaign in Yangon. And No Sweat supplied their T-shirts for their tour. And uh, they were involved with the Punks Against Sweatshop campaign. Um, and recently we've made links with the per- Burmese trade unions um, on the ground in Myanmar. That's awesome. And that's, and that's one of those wicked things where the kind of like the subcultural, countercultural, like foundation of no sweat has found countercultural, subcultural activists out there. That's absolutely wicked. I, I really love that idea. Another thing that sort of, um, emerges out of this is the, the degree to which, um, the borders of Myanmar seem quite fluid in that, you know, essentially there's a load of workers migrated into Thailand and then, and then, and it was a, it was a Thai organization that has then, kind of been in touch to to raise 
uh, you know, working in solidarity with workers in in um, in Myanmar. And uh, the interview we're going to have later, there's 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 more about this kind of uh, this sort of fluidity over the borders and and how different uh, working conditions in other countries, you know, reflect how, just how bad things are in in Myanmar. Um, and one of the differences that I've I've noticed in in No Sweats campaign. Uh, to do with Myanmar is, um, whereas mostly workers and organizations and trade unions in, in, uh, countries where, you know, essentially <laughs> people in this country buy their cheap, cheap stuff from uh, because of the exploitation of workers. They say, please don't boycott because if you boycott, mm. then we don't have anything. You know, please work with, uh, please work with the companies to increase their, um, their awareness of workers' conditions. But Myanmar trade unionists are saying, no, do boycott because things are so bad here. We need these companies to know that you cannot, there is no way in which you can work ethically under this, mil this military dictatorship. Yeah. Um, I think the thing with boycott, I'm glad you brought this up, is because, yeah, a lot of the time the narrative here is to boycott, boycott, boycott. Um, and then suddenly where we were saying, don't boycott, don't boycott, don't boycott. Yeah. And so yeah, very yeah. much. And so people might be confused why we are taking this position. And I think the key message I want to put across is that we do things with on the terms of the workers, and it's not us deciding whether there should be a boycott. It's unions telling us we want this because we want to weaken the military. And the military yeah. are not only the military, but brands are profiting from this as well. And so, yeah, when it comes to boycotts, I mean, even with Palestine as well, they're called, they're, advo they're advocating for BDS. I think it always needs to come from the people themselves. And that's when mm -hmm. you listen to the, because boycott is a huge thing. Like it's, it's, it's debilitating and we should only take it when we've essentially been given permission to do so when the people yes. being affected have told us that this is what we want you to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I think from a from a from a political, you know, from an activist point of view, from my personal point of view, you can feel pretty good about buying the right things from the right shop, and you can feel mm. pretty good about having a boycott. But ultimately, if that's not what people on the ground are wanting you to do, it's completely wasted effort. Yeah. And also, yeah, exactly. one of the big things is buying this thing and not that thing isn't the same as activism. It's not, you know, no. well done anyone, well done anyone that does purchase ethically. But as we've talked about before, there is fuck all way you can purchase, te <laughs> you can purchase textiles ethically on the high street. Um, and one of the things we, I, another thing I got from the, the interview we're about to hear, um, was that, um, pre 2010 in in the the election where Aung San Suu Kyi was finally essentially allowed all right oh, do you know what we've counted and this time you did win you, you know you can come out of the house um is that sanctions worked international sanctions worked mm. and amnesty international's campaign and all that sort of thing those things worked and i think it sounds to me or it sounded to me from this interview that um that um that power is something that that you know, they've, they've remembered that, that, that works and actually, actually does a thing. Um, so let's, so let's have a listen to this incredible interview. So Nav, who did you interview? Um, who is she? What does she do? And how did the interview come about? Um, so we interviewed the amazing Kezar Al, uh, who's the president of the Industrial Workers Federation of Myanmar. Mm -hmm. And she's currently living in exile in Germany. She was there studying when the coup happened. And the military revoked her passport and put a warrant out for her arrest. Wow. So now she's living as a refugee, but she continues to work to build international support for the fight against the military. So 
So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. We are looking forward to hearing about the situation in Myanmar. But first, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be the president of the Industrial Workers Federation of, of Myanmar, as well as the treasurer of the Confederation of the Trade Unions of Myanmar? Uh, and also, is it true that before becoming a trade union activist, you were a garment worker in Thailand? Yes, um, I'm... Uh... Yeah, I, I started working in a garment factory in Myanmar at 16 years old. And uh, I worked in the garment sector for six years in Myanmar. Then uh, I migrated to Thailand, Mezal, to work in a garment factory. Yeah, then I joined uh, trade unions. The, at the time, Myanmar was uh, under the previous military rule. So, yeah, the working condition was very bad uh, in Myanmar, in, in the garment center. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wanted to find a good opportunity to, pro- to promote myself. Uh, so, yeah, I, I went to Mezal, Thailand. But uh, after six months, I attended a trainee from the Federation of Trade Unions, PAMA, FDUB, which is the former name of my organization, CDUM. Then I joined the union since that time in 2007. I would like to explain first about the working situation in the past uh, before I joined union. I think it is very important uh, to know the the situation under the military rule. Like I told you, I started work in a garment factory at my age, 16 years old. So I had to leave home at 6 a.m. And I have to start working 7.15. Then uh, I finish my work at 10 p.m. Then when I arrive home, it is already 11.30. So I work seven days a week. There is no uh, day off in a week or in a month. Uh, Usually, uh, we can say we have a one day off in a month, but uh, in a month after payday. But uh, many times the employer told us we have an agency to shift our order so that uh, we do not have a day off after payday. And uh, even though we are, we have to work very uh, long working hour in a day, I earned only $10 a month, which is very low and also not enough money, uh, even for one person. There is a situation the other workers are also facing. And uh, in the workplace, I... I'm working with many Chinese workers. They are like 12 years old, 13 years old. Even I'm 60, I think I am young to start working. But uh, I saw many children working in the factory. And uh, I remember, always remember that. They told me they want to go to school. Uh, I feel very bad at that time. And uh, there is a very low salary. and. But uh, we have to pay for the social security fee every month. They automatically detect from our detected from our salary. But uh, I do did not have any benefit from this social security scheme. So women, I I found many women workers uh, when they are pregnant, they have to they have to leave from job, 
And uh, many people, uh, when they get sick, including me, we don't dare to go to hospital because it is expensive. It is like uh, if we go to see the doctor, it's like a four, $4 at least. So we earn only $10 a month. So we are not afford to go to clinic. So that, that is the situation I, I face uh, in terms of working condition and the quality of living. So very bad. But I remember that time we produced for brands from the Western countries. At the time, I did not know about the trade unions or workout rights because Myanmar was under military rules for many decades. So there is no right to freedom association, right to collective bargaining. I did not know about all these things, about workout rights. But I was thinking, why? We have to work the long working hours a day in a month without having any day off or holiday. Why we are getting very little salary, like a slave? Yeah, that, that, is, that was the working condition. And linked to that, what is happening to our community? I was thinking. And the workers, they were treated very badly. And uh, sometimes we, many workers face uh, physical abuse and uh, barber abuse. There are some the sexual abuse also to the women workers in the garment center. We are witness, but we don't, we did not know, I did not know how to solve this problem. The work, women workers had to work in that kind of, in that situation like that. We don't, nobody have us, can have us. Um, for me, seeing this situation, uh, seeing my environment, the, the parents, they cannot spend time with their children. So they don't, they, they are earning very little salary, so they cannot send their children to school. I, the same like to the old parents. The people who are getting old, they need to be take care of their daughters and sons. But their daughter and son, they have to work very long working hours and no day off. How they can take care of their parents. And mentally, many workers, they have a, they do not have a decent uh, mindset because of the very low salary, treated very badly. So they always fail with anger. I see many families, they are fighting always because of the difficult situation of living. Uh, that made me sick. I don't, I did not know what is the meaning of life, why we, we were like that. But uh, I, nobody can explain me. So then uh, I, I was so depressed. I don't know what to do. Then my friend uh, asked me to go to Thailand and Mesa to work in the garment factory. That was in 2006. So I, I went to Mesa. Then I learned something there. I work in a small garment factory. It's like 20 to 25 people working in the small house. I have to start working at 8, 8, 8, 8 a.m. and I finish my work at 5 p.m. But I earn about 180 per I was thinking, why? I'm just across a river. 
at the borderline. Why the salary is so different? And the, the, the living cost is more or less the same from Myanmar and Mesa, the time size. And then I learned that the, the, the salary, 180, I can make within this uh, short uh, eight working hours is exploited according to time standard, Thailand working standard. I should get uh, about 300 dollar. But uh, 180 is much better than what I earn in Myanmar. I was thinking, why, why? Then uh, I, I, go, uh, my, I discovered my friend uh, in the Mezal, at the factory. She worked in Thailand 10 years ago before me. So she, she listened to me and asked me, can go to a training conducted by FDUB, the trade unions, because she said, what I am telling to her is that the same the organizer is telling to the uh, workers in that they are training. So I'm, I join a trainee on a Sunday and then the organizer explained that the, tra- the military make the people life difficult so that uh, people, people will not think about the politics. This way they can rule the country longer as much as they can. And then the, the military made people do violate the laws and regulation because people are earning very little. So they have to do the violation, correction. So that uh, whenever that, that is uh, the strategy, when people think to talk about the politics to against them, that people can be arrested because of the correction and other violation they they are doing everyday basis. I accept this concept at the first time when I hear about it. Then I was thinking, this organizer know why that is that you know that is the answer for me why people are so poor in living in this situation. So I thought this organizer might know how to solve this problem. Then I. After a week, I discussed with the organizer. I went to stay with them in the community center. They, they have a community center helping the workers. So I went to learn how I should uh, make change, what I should do uh, when I go back to Myanmar to make change. Because I did not understand about the organization or the democracy or worker rights. But uh, just with this knowledge, this person will know the, the solution. So yeah, that is how I started working in the trade unions. Okay, then to make change, I thought I, we can do alone. No, then I, I learned in the past many years about it. We, do, we did the underground movement uh, to fight the previous military. We have a lot of training underground for the people inside. Myself also attended many trainees about the ILO standards and all of the bargaining. And uh, I, but I also work for the National, National Council of the Union Obama, which is the umbrella organization, political umbrella organization of the democratic forces who are doing against the previous military. So I learned about the uh, fatra 
constitution issue, ethnic issues, so that which is really uh, good for me. So I I came to know uh, at least we can find a better life for the for the people if we can change our country as a democratic country. So yes, um, we were underground movement. Uh, as you know, uh, in Myanmar, we have an election in 2010. Of course, the military, they plan very well to win this election. And then they drew a 2008 constitution, which that allowed the, mil the military to 25% of the parliamentary for them. But uh, we, Myanmar, uh, we took the opportunity. The, the, the Myanmar military, after election in 2010, they were, they were telling to the international government, Myanmar is changing to democratic country. So they went to get bad support from the international, international governments in EU, because at the time Myanmar was under economic sanction. The economic sanction in the past really have impact on the military. That's why they have a discipline, yeah? drawing, the, drawing the constitution, having the election and changing, showing we are changing to democratic country. So we trade unions taking this opportunity. We, dis, uh, we have a meeting with ILO and IDUC together with uh, Ministry of Labor at the time. In 2012, we are we we are saying we are saying if the Myanmar uh, military government at the time want to change democratic country, change Myanmar to a democratic country, they have to accept the freedom association in Myanmar. They say yes, of course. So they have to accept the FDUB return to Myanmar, work for the workers' right issue, worker rights and trade union rights issue. They welcome. So we trade union went back to country, we organize and we fund unions, we fight for the worker rights. Everything that you said is just amazing how your journey from Myanmar, going to Thailand and then trying to like learn about how to organize to then go back to Myanmar is, is really inspiring. Um, so our next question is, um, garment workers and unions have led the incredible resistance against attempted coup. Um, after resisting the union busting that took place during the pandemic, what what have they faced as a result from the military in retaliation? So after, um, after the coup, uh, trade unions, we were in the front line to against the coup. We trade union, CDU, and we have a, we announced that the coup is illegal. And uh, we don't work with, we do not recognize the military. And uh, we will not work with the military. So since that time, until uh, we are still uh, joining the demonstration on the ground, working together with other uh, the democratic forces, like the student and teacher and women organization, youth organization, and also political groups also. 
And uh, because of this uh, action, the military, they try to arrest our members. They, what they have done, they issue arrest warrants against all the, our trade union leaders from the infiltration level and confederation level. And also many workers from the factory level had been searched by the military. And our organizer negotiator houses were also searched in the uh, February. So now uh, men, trade unions leader, uh, the many of them have to hide. They are working in hiding. And the 27 of the CDU and Central Committee member best boys were gunsay, including my my best boy. That's why uh, now I I have to see a political assignment in Germany because I was in Germany when the coup happened. So I'm, I'm, but I'm still working from the Germany, from Germany, from Myanmar. And at the factory level, the Embraer, they provide trade union leaders names and addresses together with photo, also the member list to the police and military. That was happening since the last year, uh, March. And um, the, now, because uh, under the the trade because our trade unions are under operation, the we the employer they make an announcement. The collective bargaining agreement where I can say, and then now the workers they are earning. Uh, only minimum wage. The other cash benefit are cut, and uh, the forced labor is back. The factory now asks workers to work overtime without pay. The workers are asked to work on Sunday without pay. And how they they do it? The many factory they set a higher target to produce for a day within eight hours, which Worker cannot reach. So that worker are pressured to finish this target. Otherwise, they have to sign on the warning letter. After three times, worker can be dismissed without compensation. At all, they arbitrarily dismiss the worker because they do not meet the target. So that, that is why the forced labor is back. And uh, the manufacturing now uh, closing temporarily since the last year of March. According to the Myanmar Embryo Association, 140 factories were temporarily closed. We have a number of complaints from the workers. The factory were closed without paying compensation or wage for the temporary factory closure. And now worker, many workers, they are not getting leave and holiday, and uh, they are still paying uh, social security fee, but they are not getting benefit at all. So now harassment issue are happening a lot because the 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 industry zone are under martial law since the last year March, and uh, many factory they hire the soldier for their factories. So. Soldiers check the worker mobiles and the things they bring to the factory. Many women are facing harassment by the soldier. 
And also at the factory, women, they are facing not only uh, barber abuse or uh, sexuality, and uh, we now see in the physical abuse is also happening. But uh, the brands, they, I wonder, the brands, why they do not add, even though we are reporting them. And uh, the women workers, for especially for the pregnant women, they are now, they have to leave from job uh, when they have to give birth or before the giving birth because they are not uh, getting benefit from the social security. Yeah, that is the, uh, the situation workers are facing, which is exactly the same working situation like I was working in 2000 under the previous military rule. So we have collected um, a serious cases uh, since last year, May, and uh, we we sent to the different brands. We file in the cases. Many of them they do not respond. Some cases even we send the case. Um, we cannot find the solution even after six months or seven months. We but we are trying to settle with the brands. And then I also I blew a fan. Personally, I also facing a lot of problems in the process of negotiation, settlement or dispute with the brands. And for example, I tried to settle some cases of non-payment factory closure. For example, in a one factory, there are about uh, 750 workers. The factory closed for 6.5 months without paying any wage. And uh, I, they, they open again the factory. I send a complaint to the brand and uh, we try to settle the case. We got the agreement after uh, four or five months to pay 50% of the basic salary for 6.5 months. Actually, they have to pay fully fully of the minimum wage, but the trade unions, we agree, negotiate their wage. What happened, they, the brands want the IWF fund to agree confidentiality. That means we don't have to tell the workers how we agree, how much the worker can get, in which condition, so that uh, the employer trying to manipulate the agreement. They are trying to pay the minimum number of the workers. We want the pay all the workers or maximum number of the workers. They did not implement accordingly. Then I find out what they have done uh, an appropriate way. I blame to the brands. He, the manager, threat for his life, the, the union president life in the meeting with a uh, supervisor. He was so angry. The manager was so angry with the union president because union president complained about this non-payment factory closure. So he said he, he can ask the BDF or the military to kill him. That was happening. We complain 
to the brands about it. But the, the brand did not want to work on that. We were, they the threat, threat happened. Luckily, the union president was not at his house. Manager and his three men arrived. Could, sorry, I think the internet connection wasn't great. Um, could you explain again the brand response to what happened to the union president, please? And how they've been responding generally to allegation, human like labor allegations? Yes, yes. We reported the case, the case, the HR man, the, the manager uh, trying to fire him with the three men in their uh, street. In his uh, street, so we met in we met once with the brands together with industry all, and uh, they told us the 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 complaint they received, but uh, they don't think it is uh, responsible of the umbrella or the brand. Uh, it is the behavior of the manager. They believe that the umbrella were not as the manager to do this thing so that they don't think they have to take responsibility for it. But uh, I clearly uh, said that this is the responsibility of the embryon because this happened because the embryon keep him, keep the manager to work at the factory for their own benefit. We have complained about him in uh, November 2021. Three, uh, three months before this case happened, we complained about the manager threat the union president life in a meeting with supervisor because he was angry. The, the union president sent complaint to us for the payment of non, uh, non-payment of the factory closure. So now that time we asked the employer to to remove him from the factory, not because of the, the threat at the meeting. He made a, a lot of problem in the process of the negotiation, in the implementation. Also, he made a lot of problem on the, at the factory. That's why we asked the management, the, 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 the owner and the brands to remove him from the factory. That is the first time IWFN requests to remove a manager. We have never done it. We don't have this kind of policy in other cases. But this case, we really need to do that. But the embryo keep him working in that factory because the embryo is benefited from the manager behavior. That's why they have a full responsibility what is happening to the union president. We want them to take action on the manager and we want them to take us to support the super, the the union president and his wife to survive in another place. The 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 copper cannot come back to the industry zone and work because of the the, the security of their life. But the the brands they did not take any responsibility. They did not reply us. They think that is not the responsibility of Embraer in the brands. And I think that's a really good point because at the end of the day, the brands are the ones who profit from what's happened. They're profiting from 
the exploitation of these workers and the continued suppression of freedom of association and the fact that they can say that they have no responsibility is just ridiculous um, and I'm really glad that like you, you've you've said you've mentioned that because it's just there's so many horrifying cases coming out daily and that kind of ties into something else I wanted to ask um, so we've been working closely alongside the global women's strike with you to support the call for trade unions to stop production in Myanmar could you explain what this is and why you have made this call? Yes, um, we have to do that. We we don't want our people working as a slave by earning less than two euro a day. Two euro a day mean not the eight working hours. They have to work ten hours or twelve hours a day for less than two euro. And then there is no, there are a lot of uh, abuse, physically and mentally and sexually, verbally. And then at the same time, the brands, like the, the factories, the companies working in Myanmar, they are supporting the military. They are supporting directly and directly. How, why I am saying that? The, the company running in, the, in Myanmar, they have to pay taxes and other costs, uh, the, like the water base, electricity pay, and the rented fee of the land. The, the, the lands are owned by the military, it's, it's crony mostly. And on top of that, the company, they are violating the worker rights and the labor law, but no employer. No company have been taking legal action by the labor officer because they are paying bribe. So this means the company, they are supporting the military rule to exploit the worker rights to make the profit for themselves in the brand. We don't want this happen. We have, uh, we people from Myanmar are suffering a lot, not only from the government sector. We have a, uh, the job loss in 2021 is uh, 1.6 million at least. And there are about 400,000 workers from the government and the, the public sectors are losing jobs since uh, February last year. Many students, many youth, many workers, they are running, they have to run from their houses because of they are action on the civil disobedience movement because they joined the demonstration, peaceful demonstration. We don't know how, when they can go back to home. We have now over 900,000 internet displaced persons, refugees, because of military attack the villages in the many areas. How we can solve all this problem? The, the government needs to make their profit, they are putting Myanmar people life to stay under military rule for many more decades by violating worker rights. That we cannot allow them. And also this company working in Myanmar are giving legitimacy to the military. We don't accept it. We Myanmar people, until now, we have not accepted the military as a government of Myanmar. We are challenging at the international level, at the UN and ILO and uh, any international body. We are challenging their credibility. But that these governments are giving the legitimacy to the government, the, the military. We cannot accept it. So it is very clear the international government, 
we have to respect the international labor standards and the UN conventions to invest in a country. They have to do due diligence in Myanmar to continue their business in Myanmar. But how they can do a due diligence in a country where FOA, Freedom or Association and Quality Bargaining are banned. And now in a country where trade union leaders are having a reference. And in a country where the industry zones are under martial law, how they can do a due diligence. They have to, uh, they have to take it, do the responsible exist. They have to leave now. Yeah, and I think the point about the due diligence is so key because how can you do due diligence in a in a climate like that when you've got a military junta? Like, I think brands have really, a lot of their statements are very much along the lines of we are looking into it, we are doing an investigation, we are we are going to make sure that factories aren't linked to the military, but you, you can't do that. It's not possible, so... Yeah, you know the brands... The brands, uh, they are saying there is a possibility uh, to protect worker rights. And then the EU funded organization like SmartTech and the MCRB, uh, they, are, they are trying to have a grieving mechanism to settle the cases with the brands. EU delegation in Myanmar is supporting how they can do that while the trade union are under, under operation. They have to stop this kind of action in Myanmar. They have to respect the international standard in law. We understand that the call by trade unions is for a responsible exit and not just, just to leave without any support for the workers. Uh, what does a re- responsible exit look like and what protect, protection should be put in place to protect the workers if brands do withdraw? Yes, um, when I say responsible exit, they have to, we are asking the brand to leave from Myanmar. In that case, they cannot just leave. They have to take responsibility for the workers who produce for their product, get the payment of the, uh, the, the work they have done. If the factory have to close, the, the brand have, have to make sure the workers produce for their product be compensated for the factory closure. But many brands, they are telling me, if they have to leave, they cannot do anything for this kind of uh, dispute happen, would happen. The factory will close, worker will not get the compensation and they cannot help, but they can, they, the brands can stay, do it. They have a responsibilities. And then we are asking the brands to support, to get the uh, humanitarian support to the workers. But uh, I, I discussed with the, uh, some brands to support about it to, for, for the workers, together with industry all, they don't agree. Until now, I do not see the brands are contributing uh, to support workers who are losing jobs. And uh, the, trade, the brand should put the, some funding to support the workers who might lose jobs. And uh, they have to 
support the workers through trade unions to make sure our workers get this money. So I think this is quite linked. Um, I wanted to ask, which is kind of related, a lot of people, and I've seen this um, in the media, they say that if brands leave, it would jeopardize people's livelihoods and do more harm than good. Um, what would you say to that? Yeah, I have a lot of questions. Uh, when I call the brand to leave from Myanmar, they ask me where, where we, how the worker can survive. But how many workers, uh, when they talk about the employment, they refer to the government sector. Who, the workers who are majority women, who are vulnerable, they will lose job. They will face a difficulty, of course, yes. Last year in March, on the 15th, the military brutally crushed down the demonstration in industry zones. There are about 100 people die in the um, operation. And then the, many, the next day, the military, they announced the martial law in the industry zones. Then they search the, the, the leader of the demonstration everywhere. And the many workers have to flee from industry zone. There were the media report uh, about 150 or 200,000 workers left the industry zones. And then after three days or a week, the government, the factories reopen again. But the workers, thousands of workers, hundreds of thousands of workers, <clears throat> they cannot come back because of this uh, terrible situation. I know, I see that the strategy of the embryo, why they reopen again the factory by knowing the worker cannot come back. Because that time, many factories, they have a plan to close temporarily their factory because of COVID-19. They try to advise to pay compensation or wage to the workers for the factory closure or temporary closure. And I negotiate with the ad member brands, explain this situation in asking the brands to tell their supplier not to terminate the workers if they don't come back within three days. Because there is a regulation in the factory, if workers do not come back, do not show up three days continuously without informing the factory, they can be terminated without compensation. At that time, workers cannot come back cannot come back immediately and they cannot inform the embryo because the phone line are cut, the internet line are cut and transportation are blocked. There is no way the worker can come back to work within three days. I know there will be hundreds of thousands who lost job during that time. To prevent this, I negotiate with the brands. They did not agree with me to tell their supplier. I said it is the right, the fundamental right of the workers. They have a right not to come to the work if they are right, their life are at risk. You know, the brands agree with me in middle of May, but hundreds of thousands of workers already lost job. For that, you have to, we can see in the report of ILO, 
in July, first week of July, they, the report said that 250,000 workers from government said lost job. I tried my best to protect employment of the workers, but the brand did not worry about the workers and lost job. And the second thing, the brand do not care about the job loss because some brands like Asian men, they make an announcement, they were, they, they withdraw, they stop their order from Myanmar. That was in March last year. And the other brands, many other brands, they stopped giving order to the factory. They just done it without taking any responsibility, without thinking about the job loss of the workers. That's why hundreds of thousands of workers already lost job. Why now they are telling us they are worried about the job loss in their government sector? They are lying. But they have to know how many workers losing job in other sector also. Like I said, 1.6 million people job loss. Uh, 1.6 people lost job in 2021. But there are over 900,000 refugees. And then there are thousands of students and yeah, you and the government employee, they have to run away from their home. How they can come back, when they can come back, if we cannot remove the military. That is why we have to ask the organization and the brands who are worry about the workers who will lose job, they have to support them. That is the best way for them to support Myanmar people. They should not use the workers from the government sector to stay in Myanmar to exploit the workers and to support the, um, the military. We don't accept it. So what what would you say the public can do to support the people of Myanmar? The public, they have to ask the brands they, to leave from Myanmar. And uh, we need more people know what is happening in Myanmar, what, is, what, is the, what are the brands doing in Myanmar. So we need a campaign. We need the people mobilized in front of the... Uh, shops or do the media campaign or whatever they can to make sure the brands take uh, respect the their cover content in the international due diligence. Thank you so much for your time and we've both learned so much from this. Is there anything else you wanted to say for people to hear? I would like to say that we need the, the organization citizen from Europe and the Western country to support the democratic movement, democracy movement in Myanmar. The, the, the problem the Myanmar people are facing is not a just matter of people of Myanmar. It is about democracy. We are part of the democracy movement of the world. We need to 
defeat the authoritarians. They like Russia in China and Myanmar. Our case is also the people, the issue of the people of EU and other countries who really want democracy in the world. They have to support us. It is also supporting themselves too. Wow. So, um, what an incredible woman, and what a what a, that's, that's a. I mean, there's already there's like a book in that straight away. These <laughs> these 100%. interviews are so rich and so they they to me that uh, you know it probably sounds cheesy, but they 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 humanise these stories and yeah. these things that we've known for years that happen. Um, I mean, the big thing I got out of that is is this phrase: "Forced labour is back." Since the military coup, the conditions that she was working in before she learned about trade unionism and before she organised things like you know you can have Sunday off, uh, but you can't if you haven't met the quota that we've now just massively increased. Yeah. Um, you know, and these these things that I think we like. I think because I've known this stuff since the nineties, like, you know, the, the, you know, the working really, really long, really, really long hours working seven days a week with no day off for $10 a month, $10 a month. You just like yeah. that, that just, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. And then you, you know, and there, there, there are brands that we are familiar with. There are brands that we probably trust, like brands like Adidas and Zara, you know, the, and it feels, I was like, Basically, it makes me feel like a fucking idiot for forgetting that Primark. You think Primark? Well, that's but you know, I'll I'll take a few steps up and I'll go to Zara or I'll go to you know. You think Adidas? No, these like they it's haven't learned the their lesson. It's yeah. all the same. So, what were your what were your big takeaways from this interview? What what how have how has talking to her made you feel differently about or what have you learned? I suppose. I think one thing was when she spoke about her engagement with the brands and the extent to which they just didn't care. I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, they obviously would say what they do, but I think the fact that the the way they engaged with her and the way yeah. they engaged the workers and generally, even now to this day, what they say and what they do in response, they say, oh, we are going, we want to keep, we need to stay there to make sure the workers get their pay. And yeah. you're not, you can't guarantee, you literally can't guarantee that. And I think the conversation about due diligence was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you, they can't guarantee workers' rights in the minute, in the middle of a civil, what is going to become, essentially going to become a civil war. And the fact that they are profiting off this, continuing to profit off this by yeah. workers, like you said, are for, like working in forced labor conditions where they're getting, their wages are getting driven down, they're at risk, they can't, they can't organize because they're going to get arrested. A lot of them like the, the factories like a hoots with the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, the extent of the like abuse and gender based violence in particular is really, it's really horrifying. And so for brands to be like, this is out of our hands, mate. Sorry. And then meanwhile, like a lot of people are going to accuse me of water battery, but I'm going to say this. Um, when the, when Russia invaded Ukraine and a lot of the brands left Russia yeah. and then there was one particular brand and they also imposing sanctions. And there is one particular brand, I don't know which one, I think it might be Puma, who actually then agreed to pay for the workers who worked in their, like pay the wages, like furlough for the workers who worked in their stores. And to think that this is what... In their Russian stores? Yeah. I need to to fact check that, but I think it was one that definitely did happen because I remember writing about it. But And so to see that, which is obviously you should be doing that against any sort of horrifying sort of human rights abuses, but then... 
when Myanmar, it's been a year now, right? Like it's been a year yeah. of this just nonstop yeah. deteriorating of workers' rights. And trade unions are calling for, have been calling for this, have been calling for sanctions. Workers' rights are getting worse. I mean, you can say that we're going, um, we need to stay for workers' rights, but workers' rights are getting worse with you in there as well. So yeah. what exactly yeah. are you protecting? Workers are losing their wages. Workers are losing their jobs. Like it's deteriorating whether you like it or not. And for you to stay there while unions are saying leave and you know your money is going towards the military and you know you're profiting off workers getting paid less. It's Absolutely. like... Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just really mind-blowing to see this happen like in comparison to what's happening elsewhere in the world. No, that's that's such a thing and and, and that's that's another it's another really good example of this kind of ethical wash that the brands say, "Oh, look, you know, we you know, we they've all got they've all got a fucking policy statement about it on their websites and that yeah, sort of thing." And it's for them so vague as well. Mm. And it's and and it's it's just full on fucking racist for them to pull out of Russia <laughs> uh because of well, Ukrainians. I mean, we saw that in the news coverage as well, didn't we? But it, they look like us you know that oh that whole God, thing yeah it's like literally people saying this isn't some you know foreign this country isn't Iraq. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah like honestly people were oh, saying wow. that with a full chest <laughs> oh my god yeah incredible um and th- th- there's that thing that she talks about trying to negotiate a responsible exit so yes. saying you know do so leave important. this is what's really important as well i'm really glad you brought this up again as well the, re- the element because again a lot of brands and a lot of people will say this is going to affect the workers. They're going to lose their wages. They're going to lose their livelihoods, etc. But this is why the union, they're not calling for a blanket sort of leave and don't do anything about it. Just leave, yeah. abandon the workers. They're saying we want a responsible exit. You actually put the money in to make sure your workers are protected. Their wages are paid when the factory yes. closes. Like they've got those rights there. And again, the brands can do this. They 100% can. The yeah, one yeah. brand is, which I'm going to find out the name of has done that. Um, and yeah, it's completely possible, especially these billion dollars. Come on, like they're billion dollar brands. Like it's really going to hurt you to pay yeah. your workers a fair wage while they're in a civil war. So, um, you know, it's, here's the, here's, sorry, but like yeah. they, they, you've struck upon a really important point here, just through your use of language, right? You said your workers, and these companies do not yeah, see these people as no. their workers. They yeah. see them as outsourced, outsourced factories. It. They don't remotely see them as their workers. They don't see the. They don't. There's no connection. It's this. It's completely dehumanized as these kind of units of production. 100%. And here's a fun thing to do. It's not fun, but if you go to the H and M CSR website, count how many times they say they don't hire the workers themselves. They're hired through. They're hired. They're yeah, they, they, they've mentioned it very clearly on the website. We don't have, these aren't our workers. Like they, wow. it's a new approach they're taking. So they're just wow. saying the whole chest. Yeah. If it's their products being produced. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't make sense. The, the, the literal fingers of these human beings are, are sewing your logo into these clothes. Then their it's your DNA fucking workers. Is on your yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Test it. Test it. Mind-blowing. Um, that's, do you know what? That's a really... Their DNA is on your clothes. That is a very, very, very good phrase. They're like, you know, that's that's it. That's it. Their DNA is on your clothes. Um, and if you go to the No Sweat website and click the campaigns mm. raised fist, uh, you can actually see a list of brands that are still uh, sourcing their stuff from uh, from from Myanmar. I was surprised at um Marks and Spencer, who are, you know, supposed to be one of the more ethical brands. I mean Marks and Spencer are really selling themselves as an ethical choice on the high street. I always had an issue with their support of uh Israel's suppression yeah. of Palestine. Uh the, the, you know, the good old Venn diagram of, of boycotts. Um but yeah Marks and Spencer are sourcing stuff from here and all these all these brands. So yeah. 
H&M. There's also, yeah. yeah. And also I want to mention some brands like Guess and Moschino. You wouldn't, these are like high-end brands. These are like really high. So this isn't a matter of like cheap fashion. These are brands that they're making, they've got, there's leather factories there. One thing I'll suggest, there is a database um, from the Business and Human Rights Resource Centre that does have a list of all the allegations and next to them are the brands that source from there. So you can see which ones. And it's quite, it's really mind-blowing seeing these really high-end brands that are also involved. Skims, the Kim Kardashian brand. Wow. Um, is also sourcing from there, so it's and this really... is an up to date database, right? This is, yeah, this is up to the minute, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Here's a good bit of news: Tesco and Aldi have actually pulled out of Myanmar due to the pressure due to these campaigns. So there's a bit of hope. See, we can actually make a difference. Breaking news: As we go to press, Primark have announced they are making a responsible exit from Myanmar. This is no sweat. Breaking news. I'm Andrew Neil. So what we like to do in this point in the No Sweat podcast is um, a, a dose of hope because uh, it's very easy to to feel hopeless and to feel depressed about, you know, when you actually face the these harsh facts of what's really happening, you know, clear away the fucking ethical washing of all these brands and see what's really there. But I think we need to give ourselves a dose of hope. So for a start, we need to celebrate incredible women like um, Keizo, who, you know, what, like, what an activist, what a life, people who are really making a change. Um, and also... Dear listener, get involved. Join No Sweat's various campaigns. Um, learn about things. Spread the word. Uh, and also, you can. there's actually a form on um, uh, the No Sweat website where you can directly tweet brands who are involved in this and basically say, look, we know what's happening. We know the score. What are you doing about it? Because uh, one of the advantages of brands, and this stretches way back to, to the 90s, is that their brand is their brand. And if we can pin this stuff on them, they have to do something about it because they can't deny it. So get involved. And, you know, let's take solace in the fact that there is a building worldwide international solidarity movement, a worldwide worker solidarity movement, and things are getting better and there's stuff we can do about it. So another dose of hope. We heard in that interview that No Sweat's working with the Global Women's Strike on a campaign to support trained unions in Myanmar. So what's been going on with that campaign? So when the coup happened, we organised a joint statement for the UK trade union movement and the workers' right um, non-government organisations to condemn the coup. And a few months later, when the crackdown was underway, uh, we were approached by the Global Women's Strike through our contacts at MAP Foundation, mm-hmm. um, and we organised a joint campaign with them. Uh, this became the Myanmar Military Never Fashion Campaign, and we actually took to the streets in Oxford Street. <laughs> we took right. to Oxford Street. <laughs> and uh, uh, we, we stood outside like brands like Zara and H&M with our placards and signs. It, it was pretty moving. Um, yeah. And in August 2021, the trade unions in Myanmar that come together as the Myanmar Labour Alliance, they mm. put out a call for international brands to leave the country, as we've already spoken about. Um, at this point, trade union leaders were being arrested and the industrial zones where the factories were based were being put under martial law. We worked with the Global Women's Strike on an updated statement this time in support of the trade unions call for the Branson League and expanded it out to the trade unions and civil society groups around the world. We've had 200 organisations sign it from 20 countries around the world. Wow. Uh, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and that was launched on the 31st of January this year, uh, before the anniversary of the coup. Right. In the summer, we were lucky enough to, to actually meet Kezar U, um, who visited the UK to meet politicians 
um, and trade union leaders to help build up the international support for the, the trade union calls for both the brands to leave and for governments to bring in the economic sanctions. Fantastic. That's brilliant. So, like, you know, the... It, we what yeah we can all take hope and solace and get fired up and you know by by these these steps that are happening you know it's like we've had victories in the past we're gonna have victories in the future and we just need to we really need to raise awareness I think that yeah. that all this stuff's still happening all this stuff's still real you know we didn't fix it in the nineties and <laughs> no. you know um, like from your first question how did you know having the interview with KSR um, mm. like affect us like. Honestly, there was an um, online uh, webinar and I cried listening to, to some of the stuff. Actually going to um, the global women's, uh, the HQ, um, she came and spoke. And, and really, it does make you realise that, damn, like this stuff is happening and it's real. Mm. And you're mm -hmm. actually hearing it from someone that's in person talking to you. It's insane. And it's yeah. stuff that you, you'd probably see in movies and, and just like turn off and go back to your reality. Mm. But it, yeah. it's, it's, it's happening. It's crazy. It is. It's happening and it is crazy. And these people's DNA are all over these clothes, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, look, thank you so much, Maisha. Thank you so much, Nav. Uh, what an incredible interview. What, you know, is inspiring and, 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 you know, like frustrating and all the, all the things, but you know. We can make a difference. We really can. And if you're listening, you can make a difference too. This has been the No Sweat Podcast with Maisha Beckham, with, with Navpreet Singh, and, and I am Andrew O'Neill. You, thank you very much for listening. Please spread the word about this podcast. Please subscribe. Please tell all your friends about it. Um, please also talk to brands about what they're doing. Get involved in campaigns and fucking build solidarity. International solidarity. Proper international solidarity. This has been the No Sweat Podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>